Carson in left side to the middle. What a move oh. by Philip Forsberg. Oh. One of the best from Scoresburg. It's the podcast that loves the hockey team you love. Saro stops him with the blocker. This is the Predators official podcast with Kara Hammer and Max Herz. For the empty net and hits it on a bounce. On 102.5 and 106.3 The Game and NashvillePredators.com. Predators are hot and we're here to talk about it on the Predators official podcast. My name is Max Herz from Preds Radio. With Kara Hammer from Preds TV. Seven in a row, Hammer. 2-0 to start the five-game homestand as we record here on Friday, March 1st. The first day of March, Max. Things are doing so good. We had a leap year. It's kind of funny, like, before we started that game, you're thinking, like, okay, well, it's a leap year. So if they don't win, it's kind of like it didn't happen, right? We won't have to bring it up for four more years. But uh, a big-time win against the Minnesota Wild and... I think you you look at both wins, and it was kind of crazy, Max, because Tuesday night after coming home from the road trip, there's not a lot of confidence that they're going to win that game. They had to have that next one more road game mentality playing on home ice, which the boys had kind of struggled at Bridgestone Arena. So you didn't really know how that game was going to play out. But uh, they win 4-1. to one. Then Thursday night, you take on the Wild, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a huge division matchup. So many points matter at this point in the season, and you're looking at the standings and, you know, uh, talking with Jacob Underwood, who is our statistician and literally knows everything, Max, about standings and points and said that uh, the Preds have the seventh easiest schedule right now to get into the postseason, but the first easiest schedule, well, that belongs to the Minnesota Wild, so you're kind of thinking, all right, well, if they come in and pick up two points, are they going to be that last wild card spot? Who's it going to belong to? But uh, a dominating performance Thursday night at Bridgestone Arena. Let's take it back to the last two games of the road trip, Kara, since we last podcasted. Predators are 4-0, and four wins of the most seven-game win streak, the four most recent of the seven to recap here on the show today. Let's go back to Saturday night in San Jose, Two-goal game for Kiefer Sherwood, his second career multi-goal game. And the goals were beauties. First one, a back bar one-timer set up by Michael McCarron, the fourth line, who we will talk about in the second segment of the show to great lengths with Willie Donick coming up, the fourth line. The starting line that has started six straight Preds wins. McCarron to Sherwood, low right circle. Back bar and out. I mean, that's a pretty goal off the back bar and right back out of the net for Sherwood. And then the second one, Alex Carrier blocks a shot. He stick ramps it up. It goes off the back glass, comes all the way out to the neutral zone where Sherwood picks it up, chips the defenseman, creates a two-on-one, and then goes far blocker. Two really pretty goals for the man they call Woody, Kiefer Sherwood. Uh, That was a good game for the Predators. I think one thing that stood out is Actually, former Predator Mikhail Granlin, you know, for San Jose, he he had made it a tight game there in the uh, third period for the Preds. But Max, it, it felt like he's kind of come into his own back in San Jose. Yeah, and Granlin had a very complimentary quote of UC Saros after the game. Granlin did score a goal on Saros and almost scored on a goal that was right along the goal line and ended up getting reviewed and both the call on the ice and the final review ended up in the Predators' favor as they beat the Ducks 4-2. to But Granlund, after the game, said, quote, 
I don't know anything about goalies. Let's just put it out there first. But Saros' positioning and the way where he moves, I've never seen that fast of a goalie. I was lucky to play with him for four years and get to see him every single day. So he's really good. And Saros stoned Granny a couple of times, including once point blank on the power play. And we've got an old favorite POP sound here from UC Saros' probable reaction to that quote. That was a lot of nice words. A lot of nice words by Mikhail Granlund for his fellow countrymen and former Fred's teammate, UC Saros. Nice words indeed. How good has Saros been lately? I think uh, he's he's been like a cat. You know, that's what May said. <laughs> May said he has been playing like a cat, and it's really stuck with me just how fast he's been moving side to side. I mean, so much talk with the trade deadline. Obviously, UC Saros' name keeps coming in and out. And uh, Max, though, but I think after seven straight wins, it's hard to think about trading your ace. Yeah, and Barry Trotz has said as much. Saros during the winning streak. 5-0 and in five starts. Kevin Lankinen has the other two wins. 5-0 and with a 9.53 save percentage. 142 saves on 149 shots for Saros. Just seven goals against in five starts for a 140 goals against average. Uh, he's pretty good. Yeah, he is the man right now. Saros is locked in, and I agree with Mace. He's the goaltending expert, so I would say that even if I didn't agree, but uh, I do. And Bruno told us last week the difference he's seeing in Saros right now. He said it after the win in San Jose when Saros made that big save on Grandland, a shorthanded breakaway save on Ryan Carpenter with the right pad. He made some big stops in that game, and the Predators never ended up trailing. And it was scramble drill. It was breakaways. It was all of that. And Saros was up for every task. Brunette said Saros is quiet and dialed in right now. Two very high compliments in the goalie world, and it shows. No no wasted movement. Like Mace said, everything is quick. Cat-like. Cat-like. Nash-like. Nash's birthday coming up tomorrow. Happy birthday, Nash. Saturday, March 2nd against the Avs. So, yeah, lots of cat compliments going around for the juice man. Well, I wonder uh, how if cats like ducks. I don't know. We did have a very famous duck in the building, dropping the ceremonial first puck on Sunday night in Anaheim. Donald Duck himself dropped the puck for Roman Yossi, and Roman Yossi got to fist bump Donald Duck, which uh, many people are very jealous of that. But a great tweet from the Predators official account on Sunday night. It's a picture of just half of the ceremonial face-off, just Yossi's half, with Donald Duck wearing a referee's shirt and a hockey helmet. And the caption is, an icon and beloved national treasure who has changed the lives of so many people and also Donald Duck. (laughs) So big shout out to Rebecca Mormon, I believe, who wrote that tweet for the Preds from Anaheim. Uh, (laughs) It was ridiculous. And Donald comes out there just waving and shaking his tail feather and all that. And there's no better way to start a game at Disney. And last year when the Preds were in LA, Andre Kopitar's dog dropped the first puck. So, uh, Hollywood, uh, SoCal knows how to send out some goofy animals to <laughs> drop the puck so. for the I guess so. I feel like we're going to have to step our game up of, like, who's dropping the puck in Smashville now. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we just kind of time to play the game. We've done some this year. You know what? We have country musicians. Yeah. We have lots of people. We have rock stars. Predators beat the Ducks 4-2. Same score they won by the previous night in San Jose for a back-to-back weekend sweep in California to finish up the 5-0 and road trip last weekend. Philip Forsberg had a beautiful goal, seeing eye shot from on top of the zone. Michael McCarron got his career-high eighth goal in this game. 
Gus Nyquist, his third empty netter in four games to finish up the road trip. Predators take care of business against two bottom teams in the conference back-to-back, which is tough to do. They beat three teams ahead of them in the playoff table to get back into the playoff spot. But then, and we talked about it with our analysts with Hal and Mace all weekend, those were not simple wins to assume on the road, end of a long trip, bad teams with nothing to lose. It all started with this uh, canceled concert, right, Max? And I think it's something that people will talk about as the season progresses, that that really was the turning point for this team. A dominating dominating performance up and down the lineup, 15 different goal scorers on that trip. This is also all 12 forwards scored. This is also insane. The first team in franchise history to ever go out and sweep a five game road trip. It was a whole lot of fun. And uh, the funniest part is yes, we'll call it a five game road trip. But as you said, because of the changing U2 plans, they actually ended up coming home between games one and two. So that's the funniest part is. The headline part of the trip that made it such a good trip, that motivated the team, uh, made it a two-piece trip. Well, we'll just call it a oh yeah, no, trip. We're, we're we're not rewriting the record yeah, books. Yeah, we're just uh, rewriting the story of this Predators season. So Preds finished up a five-game road trip, then came back home for a five-game homestand starting Tuesday night against the Senators, and it is very real. The first home game after a long trip is tough for teams. And the Predators were taking on the Senators, who had played the night before. Sends her towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference, but had won 11 of their last 16 games. They were playing pretty well, despite the fact that they are out of it. And it was a game that the Predators had a right to be worried about. And we had a right to be worried about getting prepared to announce the game. And the man who took care of all that was Michael McCarron. Set the tone. He almost scored on the first shift. He almost fought Brady Kachuk on the first shift. He didn't score. He didn't fight on the first shift. So on the second shift he had, he scored. And then on his third shift, he started a fight with Mark Kastelik. The fourth line set the tone. They've been setting the tone all season. Uh, That game also, Roman Yossi picks up a power play goal. So we see things start to do really well in the man advantage. But we talk about history and these boys writing the record books. Max, third period, they held Ottawa to without a shot. And only two shot attempts in the final frame of that hockey game. Only the second time in team history the, the Preds have been able to do that. It's crazy. 19 nothing. you outshoot a team in a period that the Preds started with a multi-goal lead. You would expect that to go the other way. You expect the trailing team to heavily outshoot you. And the Predators had one of their best periods of the season. Got one goal in the period, but just had the puck the entire time and some... Crazy historical notes. As you mentioned, Kara, is just the second time in the regular season that the Predators had ever done that. The previous time was 2008. And in the 64 seasons where shots on goal have been a stat in the NHL, that is the sixth most shots on goal any team has ever had without allowing a shot in any period since 1959. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And shot attempts, you said the Sens only had two shot attempts, which yeah. includes shots that either get blocked by a defender or miss the net. In the 10 years that shot attempts have been a stat, that is the fewest shot attempts any team has ever had in a period. So all the more impressive considering the Preds came into the frame with a multi-goal lead. And it was very funny after the game, Kara, to hear every single player who was interviewed, whether on TV or on radio or in the general press conference with print media, (laughs) to be told about it. Because like they're not looking at the shot counter and remembering where the period started and all this stuff. So... Uh, this is one of them. This was us on radio in Barrel House after the game 
letting Luke Shen know about the goose egg. Did you realize you guys did not allow a shot in the third? It was 20 to nothing. I did not know that, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's a sign of a good third period, I guess. We're not giving up much, so yeah. Um, yeah we, you know, we, we've had some good third periods on the road trip, and that was kind of um, you know, our mindset going into this third period is just try to lock it down, and obviously we locked it down, not giving up a shot, so that's, uh, that's positive for sure. It's just funny to hear the guys find out about that on the fly. I had Roman as my first star interview, and I asked him about holding them to without a shot. And he said, I don't know if it's so much the solid defensive effort. He goes, I think it was our offensive game. We just had the puck so much. Obviously, Gus Nyquist, a huge third-period goal, one that actually came with a goalie in the net, Max. Um, (laughs) And it was his buddy, too, Jonas Corposalo, his old teammate in Columbus. So it was dominating. He said afterwards, he goes, I think that was one of our best periods of hockey all season. The only sad part of that game, Roman Yossi was so close to his first career hat trick. Man, it'll come. It's going to happen. Yeah. And then that leads into Thursday. Biggest game of the season so far against the Wild, who trailed the Predators by six points. This was a big swing game. It's the old four-point game. If the Predators lose this game in regulation, they're only four points up on their playoff spot. If they win, they're seven points up on the Flames and the Blues. And the Predators gave up the first goal for the first time during the entire winning streak, but they only trailed for 49 seconds. The response, Roman Yossi carries the puck from the left point to the low right wing, banks it off of Yakov Trenin in front, who made sure everybody knew it hit him by flying into the glass. And then eight seconds later after the goal, right off the faceoff, Cole Smith carries the puck into the net, running back style. Preds take a 2-1 lead, and it would take a little while to get to 3-1, but they would eventually extend it to 6-1 over the wild on Thursday night. It feels, Max, like everybody is hitting their groove at the right time, uh, at the right point of the season, too. There's one phrase that we've heard quite a bit from the Predators over the last couple of weeks, and we've heard Andrew Brunette say it, we've heard the players say it, and I think you're going to figure out what it is pretty quickly. Credit to the leadership group and the players, you know, and not just the primary leaders, but I think everybody stepped up a little bit and everybody started pulling the same rope, and I think they're enjoying doing it. Hey, great job, boys. This is so much more fun when we're all committed pulling on the rope. You need your full 23 guys to pull the rope, and I think you hear Bruno talk about everybody contributing, everybody pulling on the same rope, everybody working hard for each other. Team's playing real well right now. We're uh, we're all pulling in the same direction. We're. It was special when it all comes together, um, when the guys get together and everybody's pulling <laughs> on the same rope. <laughs> There's that's one for you, Max. But <laughs> Thank no, you. It Thank was good. You. Everybody's pulling on the same rope in the same direction. That was uh, Andrew Brunette, Colton Sissons, Mike McCarron, Mark Jankowski, and then McCarron again at the end. Uh, they've become self-aware, Kara. They know that we're looking for it. Everybody's roping. <laughs> Everybody's riding. Big shout out to our man, Ryder Kiesner, our famous roper here on the POP, <laughs> Kara's buddy, who she thought was Mason Ramsey earlier in the season. It's also uh, Mason Hell's favorite line to say to each other. Oh, yeah, that's true. So everybody ropes, everybody rides. We've been roping all year here on the POP, and everybody's pulling the same rope right now. Seven straight wins for the Predators with three more games to go on this homestand. Big game Saturday night at 5. Early start for Nash's birthday to get the kids in the building. 5 o'clock Saturday night in Smashville against the Avalanche on Saturday, March 2nd. 
Then the final two games of the homestand, want to see you at Bridgestone Arena Tuesday night, March the 5th against the Canadians, and Thursday the 7th against the Sabres. Really looking forward to the final three games of this homestand. Predators have a season-long seven-game winning streak, and they are well within arm's reach with three games left in the homestand of matching the franchise record 10-game win streak if they can finish up a perfect homestand. But long way to go to do that. 5-0 and road trip, 2-0 and homestand so far. Been a whole lot of fun, and Thursday was a special night in Smashville. Talk about a signature win in so many ways. Predators 6, Wild 1. She's Kara Hammer from Preds TV. I'm Max Hers from Preds Radio. Willie Donick will join us next for a special guest segment talking about the starting line. Michael McCarron, Cole Smith, and Kiefer Sherwood. The headliners, the first up, setting the tone on what has been an awesome couple weeks for the Preds. This is the Predators official podcast. palm of his hand Willie D Got a woman for every man Willie D It's magic the way he Welcome runs his game Welcome back to the game. Predators official podcast here on 102.5 and 106.3 The, the Game and NashvillePredators.com That music from the 1970s pimp movie, Willie Dynamite, can only mean one thing. Willie D, Willie Dynamite himself, Willie Donick is here on the P.O.P. Hello, Willie D. Hey, guys. Oh, I always just have to laugh when I hear that song. <laughs> My younger brother sent me that a few years ago, and he says, you got to use this for your show. you got to, this is perfect for your show. And I was like, oh, let's, let's listen to it. And I was like, okay. So I passed along to the producers here, and... Next thing you know, it's the number one song in Nashville. <laughs> what do you think, Kara? You, you haven't heard it before. I have not heard it before. I'm over here just cackling to myself. <laughs> I knew that Willie is a huge 80s guy. And so like when Max said, we've got a song, I'm like, oh, I didn't hear Willie request anything. And Max just started playing this music. <laughs> Seven women in the it's palm the of his hand. Willie D. <laughs> It's a great movie. I still actually haven't watched it. I, really I haven't watched to. it either, but I'm sure oh, okay. it's great. Well, it's sure it's Willie great. Dynamite. It's uh, 40 years old, I think, and it, actually more than that. It's a classic. Early 70s, I think? Yeah. Somewhere somewhere in the 70s, but uh, incredible song, incredible week the Preds have had, Willie. You have gotten to use uh, every goal call in your pocket this past week on Preds TV, and you even hung out on the radio for one of the wins with us. Yes, it's it's been nice, that's for sure. Uh, you know, they went through a period right before that where it seemed like nothing was going in. They they were really struggling to score. They went, what, how many first periods without getting a single goal? And now the floodgates have opened. It's just crazy how the game works. And hopefully there's, you know, more of this to come. Because I think everybody in Smashville is enjoying it. I feel like we could rewrite the lyrics of that song, Seven Women in the Palm of His Hand. I mean, seven wins <laughs> in the Palm of Smashville. Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. Yes. We got to get a remix going. Yeah, who can we get to sort of dub over the stuff? Maybe Skillsy? Well, we, al we also have uh, Willie's, Willie's our music guy here on Preds Broadcasting, and the team, for the first time all season, changed up the warm-up music. I heard you say home. that, and I was thinking the same thing. That, that was smart. Changed yeah. the mojo. 
And our, our feedback from Mike McCarron and Dante Faber on Smashville Live this week was they liked it. They want to get a couple more songs in there, but the main thing was they want it to be even louder. And on Thursday night, it was quite loud. Got the boys going. Hey, I would say roll that same playlist out there. If you want to turn the volume up a notch with the Avalanche in town, then feel free. Yeah. Uh, but it's working. And, and that those guys you just mentioned are a big reason. Yeah. Well, it sets the tone. And, and Kara, we talked in the first segment about the tone setters, the starting line, as you guys have been calling them. It's been an awesome couple weeks for Mike McCarron, Cole Smith, and Kiefer Sherwood. Yeah, those guys have been uh, the driving force, according to Bruno. And obviously, I had to catch up with Cole Smith and ask him what's what's allowing them to be so successful. Cole, after the last game, I was talking with Bruno, and he said it's your line that's the driving force and setting the tone. What's been clicking amongst you three? Um, I think it's just our effort. You know, it's uh, being consistent on the puck and pressuring it and just getting to our style right away and uh, being relentless. Cole Smith's been on the board. Michael McCarron's been on the board. Obviously, Max, they have just been crushing it. And uh, Bruno had to talk about it post-game. I even asked Roman about, Roman about it in-game. They're tenacious. They're relentless on pucks. Um, and they've kind of got us into this little bit of a groove. And, and they did it again tonight. I thought especially they started the game. They, there was no space. Their sticks were excellent. They closed out plays. So they, they're, they've been great. And they've been the driving force here. And I think everybody's jumped on board. Roman Bruno said that that McCarron-Cole Smith line, they've been uh, the driving force lately. How much did that goal help set the tone early already? Oh, it's awesome. And uh, it's kind of an example of what they've been doing. They forechecked. They... Uh, it's really hard to play against them. They, the demon have no space, and they did that on that goal. They've been they've been awesome for us, and they just keep going. I have to ask Willie. Willie, what are your thoughts here on on how good this line has been, and do we have a nickname for them yet? You know, I was thinking that because, you know, you coined the phrase the herd. They're not quite the same as the herd in that they're not as phys- as physical. You know, it's more about tenacity. It's more about a combination of speed and just relentlessness on the puck. It's not these huge crushing hits. It's not as much about the fights like it was with Tanner Janot and the original Matthew Olivier. Like He was part of the original herd, the Biloxi Bull, right? But uh, they've got a thing going for sure. It's it's definitely infectious, right? It deserves a nickname. Yeah. Starting line's n- not a bad way to go for the, for the moment. I thought that was what you were calling them. I don't get to watch on TV, though, so I, I just seen you tweet it. Well, they've, they've started, what, every game in the— Six, maybe all six, but one six in a row, six, six of the six seven. Of the seven. Uh, yeah. And so I think that says a lot, right, about how the team is feeding off of what they're doing. I thought about Big Sexy and the Huntsman, but I just don't know <laughs> if that's— because we call Kiefer Sherwood— the Huntsman of Sherwood Forest. It's like a melding of a couple different ancient movies together because of the way he, because when he's on his game, and Kiefer Sherwood should be commended because he sat out a lot of games for, for about a two-month span. So it, did McCarron at the beginning of the season. McCarron wasn't on the original lineup. These guys have always had to sort of fight their way and win their way into jobs. They're never going to be given the benefit of the doubt. And that's and even by the fans, right? The fans are always excited about the the first round pick and the prospects coming up. You've seen this any number of times over the last couple of years. Why are we playing so and so over the first round pick or this guy? They need to play the young guys who've got the talent. But you need energy guys as well. And that's where those guys have sort of overcome it to to get in there. And, of course, Cole Smith and Michael McCarron during this time have earned the next contract. And that's what Kiefer Sherwood is 
fighting for now. He's fighting for that next guy. He 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 earned one last year by playing with that just relentless effort. And I think he lost a little bit of edge there for one reason or another. I asked Andrew Burnett about it a, a little while ago as this was starting during this winning streak. And he said he might have gotten a little bit too conscious about how many points am I scoring and not just focusing on just play that inspiring, relentless, you know, hounding the puck. Anytime that puck's in the corner, I'm going to get it. And that that's what those three guys are doing right now. So I don't know if, if the nickname is ready to stick yet, but we're working on it. I like the starting line. And my big reason why is because I've separately now asked Mike McCarron and Kiefer Sherwood about the fact that they start all the games. And Michael McCarron said on radio towards the end of the road trip, yeah, it's such an honor. Like It's a privilege to start for the team and set the tone and get the first shift and all that. And then I asked Kiefer Sherwood on Tuesday before the Sens game, does it actually matter who starts? And he goes, no, it doesn't matter. I used to think this. I started one game for Vanderbilt basketball, and I just love when at home, right, when they, they announce the starting five, you get to run through your team and the band's playing, the crowd's. I got to do that one time. I cherish that. <laughs> and, you know, Paul McCann at home, they get the – Number 47, you know, and Paul brings it, you know, and the crowd's into it. That's kind of fun to be the starter, even though in hockey, it's not like basketball right. where you're in there for six, seven minutes. Yeah. You're out there for the first 45 seconds. You are literally just trying to set the tempo, but that's a, it's an important honor. Well, I was going to say, Willie, you weren't, when you didn't start in the many games you didn't start, you weren't hopping over the baseline benches a minute into all those games. No, not at all. I was in the line. <laughs> I was the human tunnel giving the high five to the guys who were starting, right? And then going in there, putting the hand in the, in the huddle there. That was my job. And I'm sure you were great at it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Off the bench points. That's all that matters. That's right. Okay. So I, I, do we like starting line? I don't want to speak for the group here. Well, I, I, I always bounce this off a of mace because you get these, um, you get the people on Twitter. You give them one chance, or even unsolicited, if the line stays together for a couple of games, you're like, "Oh, I got a great name for this line," and Mace is like, "Okay, I think you have to be together for a certain amount of time before you get a nickname." Is yeah. that is that fair? And it, this has this line was really put together for the seven game win streak. That's how long they played, and their numbers are incredible. They going into last night. They had outscored just with the three of them on the ice. They had outscored the opposition four to nothing. The expected goals, which I know you love to talk about, Max, was sixty percent, which is great for for a fourth line. Sixty percent of the chances are going to the Predators. And great for and so only forty percent too, because when the opposing coach has last change and sees the other team's fourth line on, they've gotten shifts against the big dogs in L.A. and Las Vegas and St. Louis. Absolutely, it makes they they get the tough minutes, the tough job. Uh, and so they've they've got to combine six goals now because there was a goal that Sherwood scored where it wasn't all three of them on the ice, and then obviously Cole Smith got one last night. So for that level of production for seven games is outstanding for what you would deem the fourth line. They will appear on the fourth line when you look at the lineup chart, but they are the starting line for a reason. Kiefer Sherwood was also very proud of the fact that he won the center ice faceoff after the goal that led to Cole Smith's goal. He was one for one on faceoffs last night, and I got to go back and watch the tape to see what happened because McCarron is the center, but he got kicked out, which doesn't usually happen on center ice faceoffs. But Sherwood said, I don't know if he was serious, that he jumped from the wing and did it on purpose because he wanted to take the faceoff in his place. So we got to check the tape. Okay, but one for one is one for one.
But yeah, he said that at practice here on this Friday morning as we talk on March 1st. So uh, they're sharing the load and fighting over the fourth line glory. Kara. All right. So, Kara, how many games should a, a trio be together before they deserve an, a nickname? I don't know. That's a great question because as much as I, you know, take pride in naming the herd, there's still been some disparity even on this POP. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't it's know Max's it was fault. such a hot debate. It's it's a hot debate here, Willie. Because... I was a witness, though. I witnessed Kara say this before Hal came in from the radio side and started talking about the beast. The beast I said, one. we've already got we've got the nickname. It's the herd. OK, well, this, there's this... a lot of beasts out there. There's not many. There's not as many herds. Well, a herd is bigger. So it's harder to assemble a herd than a single beast. Well, that's so, what's fun. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I. I but just, now the the herd is in the past. Now we, we don't we don't really have that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I said but, it, but I figured I like know it big was sexy and the huntsman, Kiefer's the huntsman, and Cole Smith because he's a two time champion of the the Mike Fisher celebrity uh clay shoot the clay shoot the clay yeah. shoot he is the best shot on the team right so he is really actual hunter. Right, and he's from the outdoors husband. of Brainerd, Minnesota. He kills his own food. He doesn't yes. go to the grocery store. No. So he's and when legit. he does, he eats it raw. <laughs> okay, the, he fits the bill. Yeah, no, I, I think this is pretty good. The, I, go ahead. I, I feel like they're like the Revenant. Like Cole Smith's going to go out there. They're going <laughs> to the kill Revenant. the bear. <laughs> the Revenant line. Okay. Yeah, give they're me those three guys fur. to survive. I, I'm hanging with those guys. I think in the wilderness. And uh, one more moment. If there's with- a grizzly bear that comes up, <laughs> yeah. I'm hanging. I'm. Lining up right behind Cole Smith. I'm not going in front of Cole Smith. Did you guys, He's got a better shot to handle the grizzly bear than me. Did you guys enjoy as much as I did Thursday night? Uh, Michael McCarron trying to hit everybody in sight, and he ends up punching Matt Zuccarello, who was on the bench. And Zuccarello, after not being in the game and getting punched on the bench by someone a foot taller than him, got a penalty. And the Wild did not get a power play. I, I was amazed. It was so incredible. There was so much that happened during that TV timeout. I don't know how only those two guys went to the penalty box. They could have sent about seven or eight guys for each team, I think. Remember that game against the Jets where they did put everybody in the penalty box? <laughs> for both teams? Like there was not guys enough, in there the wasn't box enough at one room. time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think we've done the fourth line justice here. The starting line, the revenant line. The revenant is something we got to keep. That's That could work. Kara's good at this stuff. Yeah. Kara's good. Chris Mason's good. Willie and I just, we force it sometimes. <laughs> We're play-by-play guys. We're losers, but we wear it. We wear it. You got to. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for hanging, Willie D. Yeah, Great to have you on fun, the podcast. Guys. Yeah. A little cameo appearance here. Yeah. Come on down anytime. Uh, everyone enjoy uh, Willie's presence. This segment presented by the East Nashville Tourism Board, as everywhere Willie goes is. If you want to know more about spending your vacation in East Nashville, go to <laughs> Willie's house and knock on the door. Great access to downtown. You can hang on the east side anytime. <laughs> The Tourism Bureau right there, Willie Donig. Thanks for hanging with us, Willie. You'll hear him on Preds TV every game the rest of the week. She's Kara Hammer. I'm Max Hers. Back with more after this, talking about a Predators draftee who just signed his ELC this week here on the Predators official podcast on 102.5 and 106.3 The Game. official podcast here on 1025 and 1063 the game your radio home for Preds hockey 
I'm Max Herz from Preds Radio, along with Kara Hammer from Predators TV. Recording on Friday, March 1st, Predators have won seven in a row and are tied for the wild card spots in the West with the LA Kings. Things are good in Predland right now, Hammer. Things are great in Smashville right now, Max. We've got a whole lot coming up that you can hang out with us for as well. First up, this Sunday night, March the 3rd, is the Nash Vegas Casino Night and Auction presented by King Jewelers, which we've told you about on previous episodes. But the auction for the Casino Night jerseys, which are one-of-a-kind jerseys designed by Philip Forsberg and his wife, Erin, with the throwback Pred Skull logo on them and mustaches above the nameplate. So you know exactly who designed them. Those are up for auction right now. You can bid on them by texting Nash Vegas with a G, like the mascot Nash, G-N-A-S-H-V-E-G-A-S, one word, Nash Vegas, to 76278 to get your sneak peek at the jerseys and get the bidding going. Nash Vegas to 76278. Kara, we will both be there on Sunday at Nash Vegas, so looking forward to seeing our podcast friends out there. Did you get your silver outfit? I feel like uh, this is like, oh, to the silver anniversary. I do not. If you would like to buy me something, that would be amazing because uh, we're 48 hours out here, 50 hours out. So, uh, no, I do need something. But I was in real Vegas last week with the Preds and mm-hmm. did have a successful outing at the poker table. So I, I feel confident going into this, but I'll probably lose money because of that. Or not money, but lose at Preds tokens. Well, I'm glad you won it in real Vegas. Yeah, it, it does count a little bit more there. So that is this Sunday. Again, you can bid on those jerseys. All the proceeds go to charity with the Preds Foundation. Text Nash Vegas with a G, 76278, to get your bidding going. We're also getting ready for our annual Ford Military Salute Week coming up later this month here in Smashville. The Predators' first two home games after this homestand, they will go away the following week for Four road games as the SEC basketball tournament takes over Bridgestone. Tuesday, March 19th against the Sharks and Saturday, March 23rd against the Red Wings are the two games this year for Ford Military Salute Week. They will include a military-themed game presentation, live music, giveaways, and a plaza party before the game. Go to NashvillePredators.com slash Military Week to learn more. So that's a couple weeks from now. We have one more college night on this homestand. It is Tuesday night, March the 5th, Predators against the Canadians, and it is Kentucky Wildcats night. NashvillePredators.com slash college nights is the only way to get the big blue UK and Preds co-branded hat. And maybe most importantly, Kara, we already played a couple quotes this episode from this past week's episode of Smashville Live. A lot of fun with Mike McCarron and Dante Fabro. We've got another episode coming up this Wednesday, March 6th, with maybe the ultimate dynamic duo on the Preds. You could debate all day. Who, who's the best, best friend duo? Is it Alex Carrier and Jeremy Lozon, or is it the goalies? We had the goalies earlier this year together. This week, we've got the Quebecois. They have each other's backs. They play together on D. They speak the same language, and they're best friends. Alex Carrier and Jeremy Lozon, Wednesday night, March 6th, Smashville Live at Brewhouse 100 in Bellevue from 6 to 7 this coming Wednesday. We look forward to seeing you all there. That's going to be a great show. Yeah, very excited. We had them together last year as well. It was a great time. Have you been uh, studying up on your French? 
Uh, no, I usually let Hal do that, but it will be Jay and I hosting. So I hope Jay learned French in uh, Manitoban grade school. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, and he might have. But Jay is an expert in all things Canadian, so he's got it down. But yeah, that's this Wednesday night. We had a lot of fun on this past week's show of Smashville Live. Uh, did you know that Michael McCarron's dog is named after Scooby-Doo? I did not. His dog is named Scooby just because Michael McCarron loves Scooby-Doo. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that checks. I like Michael McCarron. He's just like a, he just seems like a great player. You know, we've talked about him before on the podcast about how he's really, you know, found a, a, a better way in life after going into the player program. He's come out. He's healthier. He said he's feeling great. And obviously his play on the ice is definitely starting to show that. And we're very happy to have him in Smashville for two more seasons with the extension he signed just a couple weeks ago. And he's played his best hockey since then. And. Tuesday night against the Habs, he will get his twice-a-year chance to play against the team that traded him away to the Preds. So who knows how hot things will get on Tuesday night. He's already been scoring goals and punching guys on the bench, and I don't even know what the next level is for the man they call the big show, Mike McCarron, but uh, there's always going to be something. Yeah, who knows, Max? We also want to give a shout-out to a young future Pred Predators' sixth-round pick in last summer's draft here in Smashville, Austin Roost, signed his entry-level contract on Friday. Roost is 20 years old. He is the captain of the Everett Silvertips, playing in Everett, Washington, outside of Seattle in the Western League. This is his fourth year in the Western League. He's coming to the pros next year, expected to be in either Milwaukee or Atlanta, you would think, once he has signed this three-year entry-level deal. He was picked in the sixth round. He actually was not at the draft, and he had been eligible for the draft before that as well and was not selected. So the Predators went and got him. He was in rookie camp this summer. He actually played in one NHL preseason game in the preseason opening doubleheader, and I felt bad for him because he had a couple of goals against going off of him, mm. and you figure this is probably his only game, right? I mean, this is one of the younger guys in camp, and it was his only game, and he ended up going back and is having an amazing Western League season, better than a point per game, 59 points in 54 games for the Silver Tips, including 31 goals. He is an undersized forward, 5'11", 182. He moves really well, and he's got some great lineage as well. His father, Stacy, is an assistant general manager for the Lightning and played in the NHL. Can't beat the bloodline, Max. Yeah, for real. He's from... A place that sounds very relaxing. Cold stream, British Columbia, Canada. The water there must be so clear, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like we could have a fishing show. We'll follow him up there. <laughs> so Austin Roos, congratulations. We'll see you at camp this summer. He will be joining the Predators organization officially as a first-year pro next season. Coming up next, we've had a lot of great interviews this week. You've heard many of them already. But what is our interview of the week? It's with our intrepid reporter, Hal Gill, and the captain, Roman Yossi laughing and making some funny sounds. So you don't want to miss that. She's Kara Hammer from Preds TV. I'm Max Hers from Preds Radio. You're in tune with the Predators official podcast here on NashvillePredators.com and your radio home for Preds hockey, 102.5 and 106.3 The Game.
Welcome back to the Predators official podcast. Nothing like a little Aerosmith on this uh, March 1st Friday. It might so as good. well be summer now. It's so good. I'm dreaming about summer, Max. The weather in Nashville is... Oh, it's, it's hard to describe. Some days are 75 and you feel like it's right around the corner and then, bam, back to 30 degrees out there and you're like... What is happening? Now we had our annual spring tease this week. Ugh. That's what folks call it, right? The spring tease. Fake spring, spring tease, one of those two, something like that. I am ready for warmer days ahead. Yeah, well, we're getting closer to playoff hockey, and the Predators are looking to lock down their playoff spot with a month and a half to go in the regular season. Preds have a seven-point lead at the time of this recording on Friday over the Flames and the Blues. Big game coming up against the Avalanche on Saturday at Bridgestone Arena. Then two Eastern Conference teams come in to finish up the five-game homestand. The Habs will be here on Tuesday night, and the Sabres will be here on Thursday night. It's been such a fun couple weeks, Kara, and I don't even know how many interviews we've played in this show. But the, the interview of the week can't be from either of us. We've already played too many of our own interviews this week. We've done a lot of interviews. It's a fun part of the season right now, Max, where there's so many storylines to continue talking about, I mean, just talking about the starting line or coming back home after a, a winning road trip and playing on home ice. And obviously one of the biggest ones coming up is going to be Saturday against the Avalanche, a team who's the top of the, the Western Conference. Uh, good things happening, but you can't beat any sort of interview when it involves Hal Gill and Roman Yossi. Hal Gill is an intrepid reporter, whether he thinks he is or not. He's really good at this broadcasting thing, and uh, his name's also on the Stanley Cup. He's not... The world's best reader, but he makes up for it with his talking, which is very, very good. And before the Preds game Saturday in San Jose, Hal put on his reporting boots and his reporting hat and put, took out his little pen and paper, which he definitely doesn't use, and interviewed his former Preds teammate, Roman Yossi, and uh, everyone was laughing. Here's how the interview started with Hal. Hal Gill here with the captain. Roman Yossi. Yossi. <laughs> uh, how is this uh, trip uh, going for you? Just some sweet, sweet shared laughter between Hal and Roman Yossi. And then the interview ended talking about my favorite goal from the road trip and Roman Yossi making an exceptional sound. I got to ask before we, I let you go, Colton Sisson's bar down from... From deep. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that, have you? No, I don't think I have either. <laughs> he, he shot and we were all like, oh! <laughs> and he goes far down and almost, I thought he wasn't in at first, but then it trickled in and um, he was just, he was looking at the bench, we are all laughing, that was, that was pretty sick. I think we could find a way to talk about this goal on every podcast the rest of the year, but uh, I don't think we could make the noise that Roman made. No. That sums it up pretty well, just the law. It probably felt like it was in the air for an hour from ice level. Just flying through. That was an amazing, amazing goal from Colton Sissons. When you're hot, you're hot. That's yeah. the Preds right now. The empty netters are falling. We didn't talk about, actually, my favorite goal of the homestand so far. We didn't specifically talk about it from the Wild game. Roman Yossi uh, dancing Philip Gustafson, the Wild goalie, out of his skates and then banking it off of him. He used every button on the controller for that one. That was a lot of fun. And also on one of Yossi's goals on Tuesday against the Sens, uh, Gus Nyquist made a similar move to show Travis Hamannick to his seat, and uh, he went face first into his seat, Mr. Hamannick did, and Yossi shot past him. We've had some pretty goals. I also was a big fan of Ryan McDonough's 
uh, in the third period against the Wild. I mean, a beautiful slot pass from uh, Luke Evangelista, and bam, McDonough picks up his third of the season. Everybody's going. Everybody's Everybody's roping. (laughs) And everybody's riding. Ryder Kiesner, line one, where are you? We're pulling on the same rope here in Smashville, and we can tell you guys have your hands on it too. Three more games left in the homestand. Saturday night at 5 against the Avs, Tuesday night at 7 against the Canadians, and Thursday night at 7 against the Sabres. We hope to see you at those three games at Bridgestone Arena. For Kara Hammer from Preds TV, I'm Max Hers from Preds Radio. Preds are hot. Things are getting fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Predators official podcast here on 102.5 and 106.3 The Game and NashvillePredators.com. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> There's that one for you, Max. <laughs> <laughs>